Hi, I'm Steve Leard, and welcome to Cover Meeting, the book cover design podcast where we speak with designers about their work, the industry, and everything else in between. In this first episode, we're joined by David Pearson, a graphic designer who has been commissioned by Wes Anderson, Christie's, The New York Times, Penguin Books, Sir Ridley Scott, and the V&A. David has been listed as one of Britain's top 50 designers by The Guardian, is a member of the prestigious AGI, and in 2015, he was appointed Royal Designer for Industry, the highest accolade for designers in the UK. David has been a huge influence on myself, and I'm sure many others too. His enthusiasm, insights into his process, and how he thinks about his work, I believe is invaluable for designers at any stage of their career. David, thanks so much for um, agreeing to be part of the podcast. It's, it's great to have you on. Pleasure. You're someone who's created work that's been recognised probably in the highest way imaginable for a designer. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, you're probably not comfortable with to, that, are you? Big claim to start with. What conditions are needed in order to create great work? Because other factors often need to come together to create those conditions. I think there are lots of different things that can happen for, for great work to occur. And it's never the same twice. Um, I think it's part of what I love about this job is it, it constantly regenerates and surprises me. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a simple thing that can can safeguard a, a good cover, a good idea or, or, or something that's incredibly sympathetic. Um uh, and, and it, you know, it might be it might be a, a well chosen sentence that you use to send an email or share, share the work. It might be someone fighting on its behalf in a meaningful way. It might be someone giving someone just enough room for for, for something good to happen, um, or it might just be someone stepping in at a really vital moment when when everyone else has lost sight of something and saying it was this it was always this yeah. or or it, or it could be this um so it's always different and i've sort of given up trying to um pretend that i know the answer um but it, it it's whatever it's what keeps this this job really really fascinating i mean there are so many things that that keep me interested in it but uh um yeah i mean what makes a really good cover um, it's always changing i, I think and it's something we're always searching for new answers to. Yeah. Kind of following on from that, you, you did an interview with uh, Design Week a few years ago and discussed how UK designers in particular can sometimes envi- enviably look across the pond to publishers in the US, like imprints like Knopf and New Directions. Um, and while there's some impressive work going on here in the UK, that we're maybe a little more fearful here. And we need to be braver as designers. Um, I think that's something that a lot of UK cover designers would agree with. Uh, But what do you think are the barriers uh, to more challenging work being approved here in the UK? Uh, And what can we do to, to change it? Um, it's it's a tricky one, this, because I think there, there could be several answers. And I don't really want to pretend that I know what, what the answer is, but... You know, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, just, you know, completely a new way of looking at this very thing. You know, imagine looking at it uh, from a fee point of view. Yeah. Um, You know, we have uh, laughably uh, small fees. Let's just get into that straight away. (laughs) In this country, you know, if you're a really talented student um, or young person looking to uh, make their way in the world but you know you, you're so talented that you're on a rocket ship to the moon whatever yeah. happens you look across at publishing and think is that an industry that, that i could fit into and someone tells you that that people get paid 300 pounds for a cover you know is that person going to be attracted to that industry or are they going to go almost anywhere else you know i, I don't think they will have that problem in america i, I think that's just one particular um, idea that I just had today, and it yeah. might not be a thing, but it could be a it thing. It could be a factor. It could be it, new you know. students are coming, you know, into the industry, and there's lots of different avenues they can take now. It's not always just the traditional graphic design routes. You know, you've got things like 
game, you know, gaming and it's, it's a whole new industry compared to when, you know, we would have been at college and uni. And like you say, because fees are so low compared to other industries within design, but also compared to places like America, it, it, it might put people off and, and make people, you know, not want to move into what we do. It might do. Um, and, you know, no one wins for, from low fees. You know, if, if people aren't getting paid an amount that motivates them and drives them forward, you know, no one really benefits from that. You know, I think talking about money and a, a middle-aged man talking about, what you know, wanting more money, it's, uh, you know, woe is me and all that. But I, I just, I do think it's a big issue from whichever direction you look at it from. Um, you know, I, I really do. And I think the more I consider it and, and how much it, it affects and it infects everything else, the more I think it's key. I think, you know, it's these conversations in the past have often been whispered about, Um and in our kind of particular British way, it's never spoken about openly, really. And no. that that doesn't serve us as designers very well, for sure. No, um, we're very we're very scared to upset the apple cart, and we were, yeah. you know, or, or to appear to be grabby or working for the wrong reasons. And um, but you know, you have to have a sense of of, of what what you're worth. You, you absolutely do. And, and again, everyone benefits from 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 that. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not a dirty bad bad thing that we shouldn't talk about. No, absolutely not. What do you think we can do in terms of leveraging the the industry to recognise design more and for people to be paid what they're worth? Essentially, like what what do you think? Is there anything we can do? Or, or... oh, definitely. I, and, and I think you know, I'm thinking about this a lot at the moment, along with some other designers, and I think that we're going to try and do something about it. And for me, it's just about us doing what we're doing now. It's sharing information. It's, you know, if you're if you're uh, spat out of college, for example, and you have no idea about fee structure, but you really want to do your first book cover, um, you know, you may just agree to do that for a, a very low fee to get your foot in the door, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, but the problem is then it's very hard to then put the genie back in the bottle. It's, it's you know that's your fee you know you you're essentially doing the job from your first day that you are doing from your last day if you're a cover designer so i think what we can do is to to make sure people when they do first ask for some money they they do so with a bit more knowledge about you know uh, what it could be what what their right situation should be you know uh, should they be paid one fee for a hardback paperback ebook audiobook t-shirt tote bag you know or or, or should they consider asking for more money about it? and, and it, you know they're, they're not going to do that without having some help from from people like ourselves so yeah. i think we we we've got a duty to be way more transparent um and giving uh, in that regard yeah. We're quite closed sometimes, especially yeah. as freelancers. I think we're, we're, we're quite sort of, we think being quite, quite guarded and, and uh, having a mystique surrounding us is, is, is the best thing to do. And I, I actually just don't, I don't like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've start, we started off on a cheery <laughs> foot, haven't we? <laughs> uh, no, no I, think, I think that, I think there is a, a level of education that needs to come in, you know, to to new people into the industry um, to ensure that. Otherwise, like you say, you know, people get stuck on low fees and, and it, it maintains it maintains those low fees throughout. And, yeah. you know, I, obviously I, I've not been uh, in the industry as long as, you know, people like yourself and others have. But my impression is, is that fees have basically stayed the same for decades, <laughs> which yeah. is, it's, it's just not sustainable for a lot of people. Well, I just, um, I, I, again, I, you know, I probably would have kept this to myself in the past, but I think sharing stories like this is it's probably more helpful. And I think this podcast, as an idea, I think is so good because of because of being able to do that. There isn't a platform for us to to share this information. And, you know, I had to walk away from a job a couple of weeks ago that I'd been, a job that I'd had since, for eight years, yeah. you know, and ultimately the client became unhappy with the fact that my fee was bigger than all of their other uh, freelance <laughs> designers. And, you know, I mean, I wish I could tell you the numbers, but it's not, you're probably thinking that I'm driving around in a sports car, and <laughs> it, <clears throat> lauded over everyone, but it, it just wasn't. And and I think, you know, that all the, all the designers' fees aren't my problem. Um, you know, that that's it's not my fault that, that they charge 
X. Um, but but then ultimately, over a number of years, I started to stand out for not having charged that. So that I was asked to reduce my fees. And, and you know, you're talking about reducing a, a fee that was established eight years ago. And yeah. is there anything else in the world that's gone down in price from <laughs> eight years ago? <laughs> and you just think, God, this is mad. And, it, and it's, it's actually really demeaning. Yeah. You know, you think you know, most people try at my age, they're sort of at the point in their career where they probably think, you know, yeah, I've, I've, I've maybe done enough to not get treated that badly. Um, but sorry, that, that, I mean, that's a terrible sentence. It sounds arrogant, but I just don't want to have a, a lower fee than I got paid um, eight years ago. It's not a lot to ask, is it? And, it's not a lot to ask, and but... When you, if someone's trying to drive your price down, it's almost like you're having to justify yourself. Which you know, when you've built out a career over a number of years, you think that the, the work should have, have done that really. And, and I think really the industry should be thinking instead of trying to push your pay down, they should be bringing the pay up of the other designers. They they they, they might be doing this unwittingly for a, a lot lower than they need to be doing as well. Um, I think that goes back to what you said about how we need to be probably more transparent as well with fees. So people are aware that, you know, this is what we think, you know, we should be worth. And and also um, how our work is, is used is, is vastly increased as well. You know, the, the cover is often the basis of marketing campaigns, which touches all over social media and, it doesn't feel like the designers are being rewarded for that at all, really. Yeah, it's um, it, 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 we're scared of pinning all this stuff down because it looks like a list of angry demands. But but then we also do need to sort of do that, so so there isn't just this relentless um, grab uh, of rights and of uh, you know all of those things that you just mentioned. So I think we've we've just got to do a bit better. You know, just a bit better. Do it in a friendly, approachable way, not in a kind of these these are our demands uh, way. But um, you know, I'm sure we can. I'm sure it's something we can do. And I think again, us, us and other people are wiser than me when it comes to money. Chatting like this, uh, hopefully, it will help. Um, yeah. You know, and I think designers aren't. <laughs> We're not all naturally business and financial savvy, are we, when it comes to it? It does feel like we're all making it up as we go along, really. So it, it's hard, if, particularly in, particularly when you are freelance as well, because you do feel like you're you're on your own with it. But um, it, it'd be great if something within our industry could kind of pull together. Yeah. Um, because, the, yeah, the, the difference in fees between here in the UK and the US is is crazy. It's it, it it is. Um I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean I know I know what Manhattan rents uh cost. <laughs> yeah. And I sort of understand it from that perspective. But uh I, I think, you know, nationwide their fees are just they just seem so much more um respectable. Uh and obviously they've got a bigger market that they can sell to. You know, I know that's a factor. Um but uh, you know, I think I think it's like any job, you just want to have the opportunity to, to sort of love it and to work hard yeah. and to not you want you don't want to think about these things you don't no. want to be tied up you know we're not we're not angry and you know when we agreed to become cover designers we knew we wouldn't own a yacht um but, <laughs> but you know it's i think it, it, it's all relative isn't it yeah but, um, i just want to be able to afford um, some colored pencils <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you know other cover designers who i've spoken to love it and like you say, you don't go into our industry being solely motivated by money. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we can't be paid what we're worth. No, you, I, I totally agree. And in, in a, to a large extent, the lack of, of uh, big money in our industry means you're inevitably working with lovely people that have got the right focus, you know, that they're not mercenary, they're not, they're not driven by the wrong, by power yeah. and, uh, and greed. Because, you know, if you, if you arrive in publishing with those intentions, you've absolutely got the wrong instrument. So, it, you know, that safeguards, uh, you know, it, it means that people are generally um, in it to win it, so to speak. But then there are other problems, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, for example, accessibility. You know, if if you, you know, if you need to be able to afford a, a London rent, for example, to do an internship, it's unpaid or it's paid a small amount of money, and you don't have, um, you know, 
generational wealth. The yeah. nuts, nuts are a barrier, isn't it? So th- th- there are lots of reasons for for money to, to, to sort of be taken seriously. And, um, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about it mainly through a, a cover design lens, but it's uh, it, it's just something generally that I think doesn't help the industry become more accessible. Um, yeah. You know, the, I mean, there's we, a big class problem throughout oh, publishing. it's huge. It's huge and it's not talked about. Yeah. It really isn't, um, you know. <laughs> we could, we're getting we're getting into some stuff today, I like it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, we I do think the industry is making uh, it's making necessary steps to yeah. increase diversity. It is. It's yes. trying. Um, I just I just don't see uh, this being rolled out to include class. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think I think people. <laughs> I think there's a lot of grandstanding standing that's going on and I, I don't necessarily see beyond you know what people are, are presenting i don't see this deeper sort of desire to to, to um, hire people that aren't from very particular colleges or from or, or from no colleges yeah um you know I, I i've still only ever heard a regional accent in uh an art department <laughs> but, but then you know i don't get invited into offices very often so um, that might be a factor just to segue into something a bit more kind of cheery potentially um, cats on covers <laughs> um i've heard you say you always felt lucky because you knew what you wanted to do and that you wanted to work for penguin um even when you're at college and uni uh, where do you think that focus came from at such a, a young age oh i mean it's it's probably been quite simple it's probably been quite thick i think what i mean is i mean if you're academically i mean i was fine but you know when when one subject really just stands out as being something that you're you're okay at you know or good at then and of course you you pursue that and uh you know it makes you feel good um, other people give you respect for, for what you're doing. Of course, you run in that direction headlong. And that's all I ever did, really. Um, so very lucky, very singular uh, of mind, you know, that kind of laser focus just to pursue something and never really question it. You know, I think we all question ourselves all, all the time. And I, I sort of I do feel very fortunate to have had that very, very straight line route to something in my head at least um that i felt like i could do in quite a good way you know yeah and it must be really interesting as well because you know i've 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 always whenever you've done a talk i've always sought out to to go to watch it or listen to it (laughs) but you you often showed how you did a, a cover for 1984 in your in your college days and that was you know your kind of introduction to book design almost but then you've kind of bookended it with then actually designing the cover for 1984. And that's like so unusual for a designer to have those kind of two points where you've, you've obviously had that ambition at at an early stage, but then, you know, many years later actually comes to fruition. It must be quite interesting to see that the, the journey from one to the other almost so starkly. It's, it's a lovely thing to, to have happened. Um, yeah, and you're right. It is unusual. I think. I think that obviously doing it a second time round, it, it is there's an increased awareness of the industry, um, which then informs the way you you design the cover. And I think you know the look I had the second time round was it, I literally had a list of what what people have done. <laughs> so as in what I can't do. Yeah. Um, but that that just comes back to simplifying things. I mean, I think we just we always need little devices to to help ourselves to sort of calm down, to sort of look in in a particular direction, or or yeah. just not look in every direction. And um, you know, I suppose I, I tend to do that quite a lot. And having you know working on something which has been designed many times as well, it, it places a certain restriction on you because you like you say you, you know what you can't do and in a way that's exciting as well because you know sometimes the designers we work best when we are restrained as well yeah well it's a restriction and it's freeing it's yeah. um you know there's something really nice about about uh cancelling out all of these options and then you're like oh well, i guess it's that then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, you know I, I, and i think uh I think that, that that then you've got something. Having something to kick against is is where I like to be, 
creatively. I, you know, I, I was thinking a bit about this podcast beforehand and really for me it is, it is all about those kind of uh, parameters and, and barriers. And I think it sort of comes for, you know, I'm definitely at the more um, uh, sort of particular anal uh, sort of, under the scale, you know, I used to be a text designer, you know, you're supposed to be um, focusing on details and to pour over, um, yeah, pour over, pour over things, make sure everything's in its right place and, and, and well balanced and stuff. And I think that carries over into the way I um, think about covers. So there's definitely a kind of internal dialogue between, you know, things that are pinned down and then things that can kind of float and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You know, I'm, but I'm, it means I'm forever looking on enviously at incredibly expressive, freeform uh, designers. I know I could, I could never get to that place. You know? um, that's interesting as well. That's that's the, the other amazing thing about our industry is the the breadth of different skills on display and how you can enjoy other people's work um, and respect it, but. Obviously, sometimes knowing you could never do it, but you know it's it's inspiring at the same time. It is, and it, it's it's so nice knowing uh, that you can never do it in a way. You know, yeah. it means it means you'll get on better over a drink. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you just you just don't see each other as, uh, as rivals. Deadly, deadly rivals, do you? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that is you know to be able to have a, a, a like this a conversation um, where you get into the weeds about cover design with with someone who you're effectively competing for work <laughs> with. It's, it's, it's utterly lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, no. It's got to be unusual. Oh, so unusual. Yeah. yeah. I think in, you know, at the ABCD awards have, have gone a long way to, to help to that end as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause it's brilliant, you know, all being in the same room and, and, and chatting shop and swapping stories and, and things like that. It's it's great. I think I think John and Jamie deserve so much credit for for putting that together, and for well, not only that, but for keeping it going over so many years. Um, you know, it's a hell of an endeavour for them financially and otherwise. <laughs> and and uh, we all we all massively um, take advantage of it or, or benefit from benefit it. From it yeah. Um, yeah, that's the right way to put it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's 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 great and. I think you know, like you say, when you when you meet these people up close and and get to know who everyone is, it, it just you know a lot of us are quite introverted, and and th- those situations really help. Then if you are suddenly reaching out to someone or um, or working with one or two other people, it, it's it's great to have had those exchanges uh, beforehand. It's really underrated. Yeah, massively, and it, and and like you say, you know, I still remember going into. The, into the awards for the first time and it's quite an intimidating space initially and um but as soon as you you know have a couple of you know beers under your belt and um you're talking with people it, it's 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 an amazing place to be it is I, I must admit though like it's so intimidating before i've had a couple of drinks <laughs> like going down that staircase <laughs> for the first time <laughs> i mean it's you just i'm just you just gotta hit a sweet spot before you can do all of that um <laughs> chatting thing but uh and then of course you've got a little window before you tip over the other, tip side, over to the other side and really drunk too much. start losing clients <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's god yeah it's a it's a bit of a bear pit really isn't it yeah, but it is. i i just love what i love about the abcd awards is, is is whatever people think it is versus what it actually is you know there's just this idea it's like i've seen people's faces who've gone for the first time and like they might expect a, yeah, uh, like a glitzy co- co- cocktails, <laughs> yeah, table service and stuff. Black ties. But then you see you see Jamie throwing a bottle at John on stage. <laughs> oh, it's wild. I love it. Um, just going back to Penguin briefly. Um, can I just ask what it what it's like uh, working with such an iconic brand? Because some of your most recognised covers kind of, kind of have always worked so beautifully in tandem with the, the, the Penguin brand. Um, was that a, a daunting thing, or was it just something you never really thought about? You just obviously you 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 went into the company straight after uni, so you probably didn't stop to think about the fact that you had to consider all these things. But um, what do you think are like the responsibilities as a designer when working for a, such a big brand that almost like transcends the industry? It's an interesting one. I, I think 
you're really right to point out that maybe there wasn't a hell of a lot going on. I think my idea of what Penguin was, obviously, was my own version of it. I think everyone has their own version of, of what Penguin is based on whatever collection of um, design they've seen, you know, beforehand. And it's important to point out that I was a fan, you know, maybe I always felt very, very lucky to be given a job at Penguin. But then there was also, there's always that bit of my, in my head that I thought, should I be allowed here? Because you just, you just wanted to nick everything. And you just like walk, you know, I was in awe of the place. So there was there was definitely a strange relationship with me. You know, I was a collector of, of penguin design. A lot of my design heroes were ex penguins. I had, you know, I, I mean, I I kind of kind of made it very clear very early on that that I was very interested in all of that. And um, you know, it, and I, so I think I had a very particular reverence for for, it, for the brand. I mean, it's it's also worth pointing out that. I was in a department called Penguin Press and there was a division over the corridor called Penguin General. And whereas I was sort of obsessed with making sure the penguin was treated right and pointed in, pointing in the right direction and at the right size, <laughs> over in general, they, they, was, they were making it breathe fire and, and uh, you know, giving it a, you know, a non-penguin colourway and th- all things like that. And so I was sort of gently seething on the other side <laughs> of the corridor. But of course you need both. You yeah. know, they, they, they were doing that really essential thing of, of moving things forward and, and disrespecting in the best possible way what what had gone before and then and then i'm over the other side um desperately trying to unpick all of that and uh and, 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 you know pay, pay deference to, the, to these old heroes that i was in, in awe of so I, I suppose i'm really rambling here but I, I liked the balance that the company achieved by having those two departments and uh, i was definitely on the the sort of tight <laughs> anal don't could put that down kind of <laughs> side of penguin. Um, yeah. It must be an amazing experience to have access to the to the archives um in, in rugby. Um that that must have really informed so much of your work and your development as a designer to to be exposed to all that history. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, you know, earlier on I did miss out that I quite liked history at school. So, you know, if you smash that together with design, yeah. uh, you very you very quickly find yourself in the Penguin archive, dribbling over um, old old Penguin uh, design. But I, I think the great the great 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 thing about being in there and seeing every single move that Penguin has made in a design sense is you you see the bits in between. You know when um, when we did Penguin by Design, for example, we had two hundred fifty six pages. It it could have been three times that. Yeah. There are so many design stories that you see play out on the shelves that don't then find it into the accepted company history. Yeah. And, and, and they're some of the loveliest ones in many ways because they're the small scale stories. They're the, they're the bits in between. It's it's what happens when one series transitions to another. You know, what what, what do those covers look like in, in that kind of space, you know, that hinterland? Yeah. Um, you know, those are the stories that never really get told and my head's full of them and um i find it endlessly fascinating you know this tension this push and pull always goes on when uh for example one series ends and a new one begins um you know and 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 just the, the force of feelings that people have when when that occurs and um seeing it in the archive play out as i walked up and down the aisles was i learned so much steve honestly it's crazy no, I can imagine. It must have been such an amazing experience. Just to, to talk a bit about your process, um, I think like rejection of ideas and work is quite a common theme throughout design generally. But I think given the nature of cover design, I think um, we feel it even more keenly sometimes. Um, in the face of rejection, how do you keep morale up with um, within your approach to work? Like, how do you find it hard to keep on producing challenging work when you you know that it it's, it'll most likely get rejected? How do you keep that enthusiasm and that drive? God, yeah, it's such a good question. I, <clears throat> there are so many different answers to that as well. Like, that, certainly that I could could give. I mean, you know, as I'm 
as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more aware of, uh, more interested in gardening, for example. Yeah. That just that sort of weirdly seems to happen to you without <laughs> without realizing. Um, but it, it's it's a very helpful way for me to very quickly go somewhere else when I get those really painful ones where, yeah. you know, you know the ones. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's just you know, on the one hand, just just a quick shift of perspective is 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 really helpful. And of course, you know, the next day it never feels as bad. You know, and and dare I say it, if you let even more time than that pass, generally they've, they've, they make the right decision. Don't they? <laughs> it's actually very rare that I think that I knew best when, when the dust has settled. Um, but yeah, there are loads of ways of of, of uh, keeping your morale up. Um, lots of tricks and techniques. Sometimes I'll just work for someone that I love so much like all the way through um, that I will do anything for them. You know, I'll be on cover 75 and I still don't mind, Um, (laughs) but there'll be other jobs where that's that's the opposite, just because of the way I'm being spoken to, you know, that, you know, my sense of self and self-worth will will plummet really quickly. So, so that's a factor, you know, how are you being managed? Of course. Um, God, what else? There are so many, um, you know, a lot of the times I'll, I'll I'll be designing something and it gets rejected, and I just think I don't really I don't really see how that happened because I you know I did something that I felt was fresh and hadn't been done before, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you might have just fallen in love with a new pen that week, you know. <laughs> and you're you're very clearly trying to kind of force it into the the job. So ultimately, you you accept that you were just you know, it wasn't the right, the right fit. But of course, that then helps you get over the rejection. You, 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 the dust settles, you actually look at what you did and you think, yeah, I was, I was really doing that for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Um, I always thought when I grew up, I uh, I would get less prickly and defensive um, than, than I was at college. I thought that naturally happened that your your skin hardened and and you became much more reasonable and balanced. But actually, that's never happened. <laughs> and and I still I'm still quite prickly and defensive when something I love get, gets rejected. But um, but like I said before, you know, I, I get over it quite quickly and get in the garden. Yeah, <laughs> get in the garden, get in the garden, and bazooka a tree, tree down. And, um, yeah, but um, but sorry, that was so rambly. Please tell me your answer. I'm sure it's much better. No, it's not really. I'm still still trying to figure out my answer, really, because it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you can easily just kind of tick the boxes of of a design brief and and, and get things approved quite easily if you kind of play to the dance of the tune almost and and just think oh I, this is what they want i'll just do this and that'll do um but i think that becomes demoralizing after you know if you if you were to do that all the time because you know not every uh, cover can be challenging and, and and things like that i obviously wouldn't expect that but sometimes when it feels like you're really ambitious for the potential of a cover and then that ambition's not met on the other side yeah. if that keeps happening it it can kind of drag you down and then i i always worry is that just going to have a, a build-up effect and in, in, in time you you won't go that extra mile to create something which is i think as a freelancer working kind of solo you've always yeah. got to be on guard of because you know i, I don't want to i don't want to do that i, I want to keep challenging myself keep pushing myself um, well, I think you really, you've really struck on something huge there. I, I, you know, I think that's that's like, you know, it's like cooking a really long form, nutritious meal, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, it's harder work, but you you feel better afterwards, yeah. <laughs> you know. And you've you've probably learned something and moved culture on on a little bit as well, you know. I, I just I just admire those people so much that um, those people that like have that kind of restless spirit. And that every book cover that, that they work on, it, it, it's like it's a new, it's like it doesn't look like a book cover. Um, you know, um, I mean, there are so many people that, that that work like this. I think Narkib's one of the best examples, but, you know, she has that, she displays that kind of healthy disrespect for, for what's gone before. 
And and because of that, like everything looks like it exists in a slightly different space, you know. And and like that's hard, you know. Endeavor's a business risk, you know. It's almost re- it's very rarely encouraged, and and most often when we're briefed. Um, we're, we're, we're confronted by a mood board of someone else's work at the beginning. And we have to appreciate how hard it is for people like her to then, to, to, to then go and do that. Um, you know, it is hard and it will result in a massive amount of rejection. It needs to be really properly celebrated because, you know, if you imagine a sliding scale of hard versus easy, at the easy end, it's 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 algorithmic design that's, that's been done before. And you might get paid that day, but you probably will be out of work 10 years later. And I think we all need to sort of accept that 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 line you know and where we are on it we all need to think quite hard about it because it is hard you might you might struggle to sort of attract new work you might make enemies um you, you're going to have more rejection than approved work but don't you just want to push the needle on a bit yeah, you know definitely. Um, anyway i'm not saying i do that i just see, <laughs> I see it in other people <laughs> i think is it is interesting as well um for me, obviously, the vast majority of my work is is nonfiction, and you do feel like you're trying to fight against the agreed look of what a nonfiction book looks like. Um, and I'm sure that the, the, it, it's the same in other areas, you know, with fiction in terms of like design tropes and how certain books should look. But you know, in, in my particular space with with nonfiction, you're you're constantly fighting against big bold type that's centered with a small little icon. Um and again, kind of keeping that kind of spirit in terms of trying to push against that kind of default almost is hard. And when you see people, you know, do that, it's it's amazing. And and when you when you manage to get something approved yourself, which fights against that kind of default it, it's there's no better feeling yeah um i just wish absolutely. it happened more <laughs> well, well that is a it's a hell of a it's a hell of a constraint isn't it that 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 look that that we all can imagine in our mind's eye that you're describing it's you know i think you you're looking for different kinds of wins sometimes aren't you to try and move these things forward like yeah um you know m- making a, a non-fiction cover not white feels like it's a very it's going to make you incredibly unpopular it's a small win it's never going to be noticed by anyone really but you know it is quite a big win well i know exa- exactly and ultimately it's you that's got to be satisfied or as, as close to satisfied as you can be because that's what keeps you as a creative person moving on, isn't it? We're, we're just trying to feel as good as we can about, about the way we're going about stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes a success is, is relative. I, I think one of the, one of the things you really see in students, um, uh, you know, I do a little bit of teaching and, and it's, you know, like, like all of us at that age, we, you want your, um, you want to break things and reset them. Yeah. And, um, you know, you want the, you want to change the world and, and, and um, do it quickly. Yeah. And I think that designers need to be kinder to themselves and realize that just small improvements are, 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 can be enough, you know, yeah. it's, it's not always about the uh, seismic <laughs> plate, plate shift, you know. <laughs> yeah. Kind of going back to how us as designers, roll along with the rest of the publishing industry um in that uh, design week interview that i mentioned earlier um you said you thought that publishers should embrace the idea of a like a, a cover toolkit which features several designs that are all fit for purpose um what yeah. what did you kind of mean by that and how would you think that would work and what do you think it would achieve I do remember where that came from, and it was it was it, it was from that period of time when um, we were increasingly being told that our designs weren't quite right because they didn't work at, as a two inch thumbnail, and um, you know it was genuinely mind blowing when you suggested to people that you would or could redesign a cover for that very particular purpose. So you've also almost got like. Um, a kit of here's your print cover here's your amazon cut whatever you know and and i just i suppose it was a slightly sneaky way of sort of saying to people like you know stop trying to make everything not fit for purpose by you know by by, by ticking all of these you know it's like just do one you know as, 
all book covers that really do work, they try and generally try and do one thing and one thing with the utmost intent, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And I think, you know, the minute we start to make them do, you know, wear shorts and walk around and like, you know, just kind of dance and, you know, it, it all becomes so muddy so quickly. And I get it, you know, these things have to have to do different things and be presented in different ways. But my God, like... You know that that killed me. That that um, do, but does it work as a thumbnail? That really tortured me. So so yeah, it was just I, I just had this fantasy ideal that you would say, here's your poster version, here's your <laughs> thumbnail, almost on this sort of sliding scale of uh, well size and and um, how they should behave according to you know the eyes that fall on them. But I think um, it makes so much sense as well because it doesn't contaminate. It's quite a strong word, but. You know, <laughs> <Quads did. laughs> I think, like you say, if it, if everything has to work on a, a small thumbnail, then it, it forces everything just to be big and fill the space and it just kills everything. Um, and as a result, everything starts looking the same and it all just becomes a little bit meaningless. Whereas, yeah. you know, wh- why not have a, a version specifically designed for Amazon? Why not have a design a, a, a version specifically designed for Twitter, Instagram, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Yeah. You know, I think publishers could be more flexible as well at the same time, and and understand that having a really strong jacket that isn't contaminated with all these extra bits, you know, there's a, there's a power in that, um, but it doesn't mean it can't work in different ways in different spaces and in online, et cetera. I just, I wish the, the, the publishing industry would be a little bit more flexible with how this is, we do this because this is the way it's always been done, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, every single one of us that looks at something that's absolutely fit for its intended purpose, we feel more comfortable, confident, convinced by it. You know, it's it, these aren't kind of crazy truths i'm dropping these are truth bombs yeah. you know it's just i think i think you know being trusting that initial response to something as well is something that that publishing really does quite badly just because of the length of time that these things hang around and i wish that could be kind of captured in a bottle and that person every time they then start to subsequently question whether it works for this and for that could let a bit of that initial <laughs> reaction back out <laughs> into the atmosphere because <laughs> my god that is a fleeting you know it's a fleeting moment I, i'm doing this experiment at the moment where I'm, I'm forcing myself into um back into offices to show my work okay <laughs> whether people like it or not <laughs> and it's it's just it's just it's just helpful if even if the work gets rejected it's just so useful to see the way people just fit the way people sort of the way they feel when they first see it is so because that's really what how these things play out the way they're judged by others and um, yeah I found it fascinating yeah that's you know, really interesting that very initial response seeing it it's the thing I've missed most as a freelancer seeing someone's eyes adapt to, to what you're showing them um, you know and uh, do you think that's benefited yeah. the the, the covers God no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a failed experiment Steve. but but no um at least at least when these things don't appear in print i'll i'll um i'll have seen the whites of the eyes of the people rejecting them so it's, <laughs> it's another thing that fascinates me about like what we do is you know we we pour ourselves into these covers you know and then you know put them in a pdf and send them off and then you're just left that's the end of the process for you for the time being and you, you don't know how that works being presented, how it's being received. And like you say, it must be interesting having those those initial reactions straight off the bat. Um, yeah, it is. I, I think it's, it's purely because I haven't had it for so long, though. And I, I almost feel like my my muscle memory is kind of, uh, of, you know, of how this whole thing plays out is actually diminishing. But yeah. it, it's, you know, actually, it is probably better for our health, mental health, if um, if we don't see uh, and hear, hear the comments <laughs> up close. Um, you know, I, I do... I do think it probably is easier to deal with rejection. Going back to your earlier question, if you if you're not there, um, you know, my God, some of the some of the biting comments that I was exposed to at uh, quite a young age at Penguin, I can still I can still hear them, I still feel them. Um, but it's you know, some days you feel galvanised. I remember there were some days where I remember someone saying the worst thing about my 
cover and of course it was of course rejected but then afterwards thinking god i'm so glad that they were that direct i mean it was bruising and brutal but i sort of loved that they could do that in a meeting environment and just be like i'm not going to wait for any of you to say what you think i'm just going to really wade in on this one <laughs> so i'm going to punch i'm going to punch this cover across the room and i just thought well that's good clear communication you know? need more of that <laughs> there's no doubt <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, I'm always debating how I should send work off to a, to an art director or an editor, and I'm I'm always debating with myself whether I should just send it off and not say anything and let try and hope that the work can kind of speak for itself, so to speak, um, or whether I should kind of kind of yeah, an act an, an element of persuasion within the email and things like that it's all these little games that you experiment mm. with as the years go go by <laughs> and yeah. you always feels like you're searching for the right formula in terms of kind of swaying someone yeah it's funny isn't it like i, I love that you just you just mentioned that um sometimes when i'm i don't know about you Steve, I'll have a document very often and it's just page after page after page and you're just inserting lots of half-formed uh, thoughts and compositions into that. And very often I'll I'll have a like a dialogue box by the side of it and it's it's almost like, I don't know who it's for. Yeah. It's like, is this, is this for me <laughs> to talk about why this design is working or is it for me to then copy and paste that into an email to, to try and hoodwink them into approving it as if the words you know it's like they're willing well they won't understand the visuals but words they understand words um and i, I do that but i almost never send those words on mm. but whenever i open an old, an old file i'm always shocked that there's all these sort of weird statements <laughs> just like to the side of the images that don't tend to help in any any way <laughs> i don't know what that is that i'm doing but. how do you view uh cover meetings um as a as a process of of agreeing on a cover do you, do you think they're healthy places generally or, or obviously you, you 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 know it can be quite a hostile place for a designer essentially but do, do yeah. you think do you think that <clears throat> process is is the best way like or do you think covers should be more kept within you know a select group be it you know designer editor mm. author because you know sometimes when you open it up to a, a larger cover meeting sometimes I can imagine it's helpful, but sometimes the reverse. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think like a lot of these uh, things we're talking about, that almost everyone's going to have a, a different answer. I, I went to enough meetings to know that sometimes it felt like the way the light was coming in and how or how hungry or otherwise people were was affecting the way they were talking about colours. It was all, it also... See, I'm being really... Uh, talking out of turn here now, but it also felt quite affected by the dynamic between uh different editors different for example people in the room. and yeah, different, different people in the room who, who they were trying to curry favor with um if if the very often there'd be a, a pause when a new visual was shown there would be a delay and then when the boldest brashest name or a person spoke then you would invariably get other people um, sort of hopping on to have have the kind of right opinion, as it were. So I don't know. That's why I go back to that, that very direct, strong response. You know, some of the almost most acerbic kind of um, jarring responses that I remember are also my favourites. You know, it's almost the one that would, the person that would say, well, I've read this book, I love it, and that is not the cover. I almost kind of love those ones because at least they're, you know, they're kind of like saying over my dead body and they've got a, <laughs> they've got a real reason and they're not playing um, games. Um, but the, the, the one that really killed me, um, especially as a junior designer, <clears throat> was... Um, Somewhat everyone would approve. There'd be a glowing acceptance of a visual in a meeting. And then you go back to your desk uh, invariably later in the day and um, the editor responsible for the book would sidle over and try and unpick everything that had happened in the meeting. So all the while they didn't agree with, with what was being approved, but they, they uh, pretended that it was the right, the right route. So then as a designer, you had to deal with that nonsense. Um, 
I remember all of these things because I remember when I left Penguin, I was like, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to deal with that anyway. But, um, you know, that's, that's just, that's why we should all massively respect uh, the art directors and what they have to, you know, the broad kind of the gamut of what they, what they have to deal with. Um, it comes at, at them from all angles and um, it, it, it's a tricky, tricky business. Uh, we were lucky to have you come down to Plymouth earlier this year um, just for context for people who don't know um, I share a, a, a workspace with another designer called uh, James Edgar who co-founded the Plymouth Design Forum which sets up kind of events to invites designers illustrators and artists down to give talks to the local de- um, design community um, and we were you know we were blessed to have you down uh, for a night in April um, but in that in that talk you spoke a lot about working with illustrators over the years uh, and the, the kind of the joy it brings you. Um, could you just explain a bit uh, how um, those kind of collaborations enrich your work and, and your process? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and by the way, that trip to Plymouth was 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 just fantastic. Um, you know, if anyone gets the opportunity... <laughs> To go and be a part of that 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 amazing group, and and I would totally encourage it. You couldn't have looked after me any better, <laughs> and uh, it was so so great. Um, thank you. That was brilliant. Uh, um, it, it, the thing thing with illustrators, it, it, they do a thing that I can't do, and it's ma- it's magic to me. Uh, and <clears throat> there'll be lots of books that I'll begin working on, and I'll realise uh, I sometimes convince myself I'm an illustrator um, for a bit long enough to maybe work out how the composition might work. But within the actual details, um, I, you know, I just can't really do it. And uh, at that point in the process, we're probably quite deep in. Um, and I, I've sort of said to myself, well, I believe in this approach, this this composition, this uh, the, the tone that this, this image would set for the book, for example, but ultimately, I know I'll never really like it slash love it if if I'm if I'm at the helm. Um, and at that point, I, I'm very very um, I'm very inclined to sort of then open it up to an illustrator. You, you could ask, you know, why have you done that before? Why have you gone through that whole process? But you know, I'm a freelancer. You, you invariably get a fee that that's going to be your fee. And I think part of uh, I have to get to a point where I know that it's going to be redirected someone else. Um, <clears throat> I have to get to that point and know that the cover's going to, going to be better if if, if I'm sh- yeah if I'm sharing it with someone else. That sounds incredibly worthy, and it sort of is. It's probably probably the most if like if I showed you the numbers for every time I work with an illustrator, yeah. you know, with what I actually took home, <laughs> it's laughable. Yeah. And like, but it goes back to you know, I just, I just want the covers to be good yeah, yeah. And, and 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 if i did it myself i'd have just have this never-ending awful feeling it could have been better so I, I always enjoy it never regret it and some of my favorite commissions have been uh have been have been bringing illustrators in and i, I just wish actually i could do it more yeah. as a freelancer you just can't no and it's, it's just impossible but it's, uh, it's probably it, it that is. makes it even more special when you when you can do it yeah, I, I I love it. But it, it, you know, it's like it's someone else doing the magic bit, isn't it? Like you, you know, and someone sends you something that you've been wrestling with so hard in your head and not cracked, and then they very deftly just go, voila, and it's <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like they're just like gods at that point, <laughs> aren't they? So, so that's that's kind of in a nutshell, really, where I am with 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 that kind of work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just hope I have more opportunities in the future to to, yeah, to do it, yeah. but. But um, one tip that I have, because obviously illustrators get paid properly yeah. um, because they have agents and they, you know, they do God's work. <laughs> uh, but quite often the way to actually, you know, because if I actually said, oh, you're going to get this much, most of them would just say, nah, we, that's mad. That's not that's not actual money. <laughs> it's not, you know. But I think in my experience, I just sort of say very plainly, this is how much money I've got. How much of it do you need in order to be happy? <laughs> And it's sort of, I mean, they'll take most of it, don't get me wrong, but like, um, it's it's so wonderfully sort of exposing, I think, at that point. And and I think if you are going to draw them into your sort of mad, badly paid world, it's using that kind of technique. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's really interesting because I'm working on a cover as we speak and I've kind of reached that point that you were describing where there's someone I know who could do an amazing job. And at this point, even though I know I'll basically earn no money from the cover, I just, I want the cover to be the best it can be. And like you say, if it's, if it doesn't, if I don't do it, it's just going to plague me. Um, but again, it's something as a freelancer, I never get to do. And I, I think it's, yeah. I think, I think it's good to work with people because, uh, you know, that, that kind of collaboration can be really special and it's something you get, don't get to do very often if you're a freelancer. So I think, you know, taking the opportunity to do it when you can and when you can afford it, <laughs> um, is, is really special. But it's, it's, it's just getting the right person for the right, the right job. Isn't yeah. it? it goes back to that, like, you know, <laughs> the, the absolute right, right fit for something. And, um, the more we can present that as being the best case scenario that you'd hope that the more that would spread as an idea. And then maybe, then maybe the illustration fee becomes a separate fee and, 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 and we all kind of, you know, skip happily towards a better visual future. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to get us that yacht, is it? No, it's so, not. <laughs> <laughs> imagine I'll shit the yacht, dude. <laughs> Why do you think book covers captures the imagination of designers so much? Where, where do you think that comes from? Um, I just think it's a really interesting space for graphic design to occur. I, I don't think there's any other area that's quite like it. Um, music, obviously, is, Music packaging is the closest thing, um, but, but but very different as well. And um, and I think that design, like you know, it's it's at this sort of intersection between uh, commerce and art. It's not quite in either camp, or it shouldn't be uh, too wholeheartedly. You know, it, it, it's in service to someone else's creative endeavors. It's um, you know, it needs to pe- appeal to their agent, their editor. It needs to possibly work and communicate across borders, across languages. I mean, it's kind of the ultimate test, really, isn't it, for your graphic design chops? Um, I mean, what a what a conjuring trick it is, you know, to get one right and actually have it parade around the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, again, not saying that I've ever done that, but it's sort of it's a really fascinating little space to to, to do design for because um, there are so many. So many things that need to all sort of work together. Um, it's also why so many people have an opinion on it. You know, I'm in a rare position to have been a text designer and a cover designer, both in the same building, working late, having people walk past my screen, and people didn't never they never commented on my text design layouts. But but my god, <laughs> you get a lot of feedback on your covers. Um, it's just 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 one of those things. It just, yeah, it goes deep with people, I think, as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see whether that continues for you know designers yeah. of tomorrow. Whether they'll have you know whether the cover designer will, will mean the same as it does for, for 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 us, I suppose. You know whether will their kind of cultural touch points be completely different just because they're living in such a, a vastly different time. You know, since yeah. the advent of the internet. Yeah, well, it you know it will. It needs to reflect the time we're in, doesn't it? Cover design, yeah. and uh, you know we've probably been a bit too backward-looking uh, sometimes uh, in, in, in the creative output that we're putting out today. Um, you know, it's another it's another thing that I see probably America doing better than better than us. That, that they're a little bit more daring, progressive, inclined to show something that maybe hasn't got a kind of um, tried and tested commercial history um and that just feels very thrilling um so but yeah whatever we could do to sort of still create daring work that feels of its time uh you know we we, we should try for yeah 100 Um, percent. but uh you know (laughs) easy said than done (laughs) for people who don't know you started a new website called uh the book cover review where you invite people to write a short essay on a book cover of their choosing um what made you start the site? Because it's it's really interesting. Oh, thanks. Oh, it's, it's good to get a, a, an opportunity to, to plug like, it. It's plug um, away. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it was it was an idea that came out of lock. I think many people had 
similar-ish ideas during lockdown about about how they could do something slightly differently. Um, you know, what wasn't on the internet, for example, that they hoped would be there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just that. It's something that I didn't think was there. Um, and, you know, I, I felt that the book cover design that was seen and assessed online, um, although I'm happy to see that happening, it felt like it was quite thin and... Uh, there's no sort of depth to the um, to the kind of critique of what, of what was happening, um, and I think you know everything benefits with that sort of depth of um, you know yeah I, I just think unpacking things in that way is helpful. It's helpful to everyone, and and um, you know what it's like you just you know write like I said earlier writing about your own work. You can sometimes be more surprised by the words that are coming out than the way the visuals. You know, it's like oh, that's what that is, and that's that's what it means. Um, and I just wanted to kind of encourage people to, to to sort of do that, to spend some time with a a beloved book cover, and and to try and try and unpack about you know why that is. What why does it mean something to them? You know, and some people get into the weeds in a design sense. They talk about composition and color and uh, type choice. Other people do do this really lovely thing that I hadn't quite seen coming, where they talk about the book um, as a kind of meaningful object in their life. Yeah. You know, and they and they then we learn more about them yeah. as people and where they were and, and what this thing meant to them. And so it's become a it's become a thing that already is untamed and and, and different to what I was imagining. But I absolutely. Love it, and, and I'm really it's nice that fun with people it. interpret that that thing differently as well. Because again, it's kind of cutting through like the noise of social media, which can be relentless and 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 shallow quite often. Where you know we can, we a lot of us just chuck up a cover now and again, but quite often those stories behind why people like something actually tells you a lot more. I, I think so, and it, yeah, it, it just feels it feels deep. I mean, you know, it's only five hundred words, and I, I, you know, I wanted it to be only five hundred because I, I just didn't think anyone would agree to do it otherwise, yeah. or, or, or <laughs> very few people would would agree to do it. And if I'm honest, it has been quite hard to get people to to, to write. I think a lot of people like the idea of it, but once they actually <laughs> to sit down and confront it, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it can be quite intimidating. So I'm still working through you know, how to make it um, something that people want to, to do. Um, but I, I completely believe in the idea and um, and I just, a bit like this, this podcast, I think it, it just opens up new ways to, to discuss this strange thing that we do. Um, you know, it gives us new insights into how we might think about it and approach it and talk about it, um, which, which I think is nice. But, um, but, you know. Who knows how long either will last? Will it? <laughs> Depends how much free time we've got. It does, there? it does. Um, just ending on one kind of big question, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the job I, I do. It's such a privilege. And I think a lot of other cover designers share share that kind of ethos. But, but for you, why is being a, a cover designer such a great job um, in, in your life, I suppose, in your experience? Well, it, it enables more than anything. It allows me to feel like I have a particular space in the world, you know, a place to to be who I am. And and you know, I get to work slowly. I've always been a slow, ploddy uh, designer. Um, you know, I get to not feel weird about that in publishing. Uh, I can I can pour over details. I can think lot uh, long, hard. Um, I can kind of you know I need to I need to go through a very very laborious process before I can hand something over and be happy with it. Yeah. So, publishing gives me that, which I, I absolutely love. Um, you get to read books you'd never choose, um, which is just wonderful. Like the amount of great books I would have never read because of this job. Yeah. Um, is it's just tremendous. I think it does enrich you, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, books books are good, aren't they? Um, you know, I, I I love that endless tension between creative freedom and, and commercial constraint. You know, not everyone does. I, I love the push and pull of it, that bruising encounter that it, that comes with it. I need to feel like I've gone through all of that in order to feel happy about my work. Um, you know, it's just again, it's, it's the right fit for me. Um, I like how many lovely people are in the industry. It genuinely feels like, um, you know, it's full of, uh, you know, great, great people. I've met so many good friends uh, th- through it. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and, and through the long line of collaborative processes that come with it, you know, you get to work with with editorial uh, staff and, and um, you know, with, with speaking to an author on the phone about what their book might be when they finished it, you know, absolutely extraordinary. Um, all, of, all of those collaborative processes that come with it, which drag us out of our caves and get us to kind of, um, you, you know, think outside of our own, yeah, what, what's going to make us happy and um, and content. Um, and but the last the last one would be that it auto regenerates. I mean, I've had some shocking jobs in my time. I mean, last last year I had the worst job. I, I was broken at the end of it. I was definitely reconsidering, um, you know, becoming a gardener or something. But um, of course, the next week you've got a you've got a new job starting, and um, and then you feel reborn and revitalized. So yep. I absolutely love it for that as well. <laughs> uh, just not the money. <laughs> David, that's brilliant. Um, thanks so much for taking the time out to, to chat with me and, and being part of the podcast. It's, it's been brilliant. Absolute pleasure, Steve. And good luck with it all. I, um, I can't wait to, to listen to them. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> A huge thanks to David for taking the time out to speak with me. It was great to talk through some of the challenges that come with being in the industry, but David articulates the joy of working with books so well. To see David's work, head to his website at typeasimage.com or follow him on Twitter and Instagram at typeasimage. We also spoke about the book cover review, David's website he launched earlier this year with short essays by a wide range of people, including Stanley Donwood, Rick Pointer and many more. It's well worth a visit, so take a look at bookcoverreview.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow Cover Meeting wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you can take the time, please leave a rating or review as it really helps. Follow Cover Meeting on Twitter, Instagram, and now threads at Cover Meeting Pod for news about upcoming episodes. Cover Meeting was hosted by Steve Leard and produced by James Ead of beheard.org.uk. Thanks again for listening. And I hope you join again soon for another episode.